30 seconds, reality as you know it will cease to exist. In its place, you will find a new dimension, identical to the one you left behind, only slightly better. Take a deep breath and open your mind to the magic within you. This is no ordinary podcast. This podcast is with Richard On January 21st, 2017, millions of women around the world took to the streets to protest the inauguration of Donald Trump. In Washington, D.C. alone, more than 200,000 women and allies marched, many of them proudly wearing pink pussy hats. Hand-knitted by the marchers and their supporters, the pussy hats sported cute little cat ear corners and were a symbolic response to Trump's infamous comment about grabbing women by the pussy. By reframing the derogatory remarks as an empowering feline fashion accessory, the marchers were participating in an ancient mythological struggle over the power and significance of cats. From fertility goddesses to witchy familiars, from pussy riot to pussy control, the cat has had a long relationship with feminine magical energy and those forces that would seek to contain and constrain it. In her latest book, Cat Call, Kristen J. Soleil scratches below the surface of crazy cat ladies, unlucky black cats, and other myths and archetypes that inform the feline mystique. A professor of gender studies at the New School in New York City, Kristen is the author of Witches, Sluts, and Feminists, founding editrix of The Sluttest, and a magical practitioner of the witchy persuasion. She joins our ritual today to help us better understand our feline friends and how to properly praise a pussy. Hello, Kristen. Hello, Devin. Welcome to Ritual Space. Thanks for having me. What's our magic word going to be? Meow. Meow. One, two, three. Meow. Meow. All right. We're going to talk about cats and magic and a lot of other fun stuff. How did you come to be interested in this topic? I was a cat obsessy from childhood. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, my first cat was when I was about four years old. My parents got divorced. My mom thought, let me, you know, yeah. bring you some energy. Smooth that over with a yeah. little feline fun. <laughs> yes. And her best friend had a very old rescue cat and they thought an older, slower moving, yeah. you know, <laughs> less wild. Exactly what a young children child yes, is going to. Yeah. Yes. So she was an old calico. She was actually pretty large um she was so large her her little stomach dragged on the ground Mm -hmm. (laughs) so she was very slow but cuddly and so wonderful and so i i immediately just took to her and i eventually asked my mom for a subscription to cat fancy and it just snowballed from there and um throughout cat name yes (laughs) (laughs) absolutely um so yeah uh, i had many cats throughout my life but it became less of a 
outwardly facing interest for a while, probably in part because of the stigma against mm-hmm. like women who have cats. Cat lady. Yes. Yeah. And uh, also it was expensive when I was like in my 20s in New York, like living alone or with, mm-hmm. you know, whoever I was dating. It was just I, I couldn't afford, you know, to really care well for an animal. So New York City, I think, can be difficult with that where there's yeah. there's a time commitment that right. of being at home and New Yorkers are not notorious for spending Absolutely. a lot of time just relaxed at home no not at all so I had I lived with other cats that were like partners cats or friends cats but never I didn't really have mine um since I was like 22 years old and then recently I found a a window into Mm -hmm. getting another cat it was basically inspired by getting this book deal because I realized this all sort of came bubbling back up you know yeah and uh, when the cat that lived uh, in my home passed like two years ago, I started to realize, oh, my God, I, living without a cat is really painful. And like my hands started like having issues like I um, really needed to pet an animal. Mm-hmm. I didn't realize how like visceral uh, that connection was, right. even though this cat wasn't like my cat. It was The like, roommate's cat is an excellent situation. Right. I'm right. really into yes. that. Of- like, Absolutely, the easiest. Way. I can I can feed it when you're out of town right, every once right. in a while, but mainly I just get to open my door and be like, "Yes, come purr and yes. get petted," and then oh, time right. for you to leave and it's... me to close the door and not have to feel guilty. Like being a grandparent, mm-hmm. I hear or whatever. Yeah. <laughs> you know, you can like spoil them yeah, and then leave. Yeah. A grandcat parent. Yes, exactly. Um, so that yeah, that's the sort of roundabout way. But um, cats always have been tied to me uh, with sexual exploration and sexuality. In our culture in so many ways and I was a big Catwoman fan when I was like nine ten years old yeah. and, and then still to this day but I started back then and that was uh, my uh, entree into to BDSM and sort of mm. different kinds of uh, sexual practices so uh, we're down like Michelle Pfeiffer Batman Returns totally came out when I was nine years old that yeah changed my life it's the best Batman movie yeah yeah it totally is yeah. um even though I do love the TV show, I love Eartha Kitt, you know, yes. so totally different vibe, though, mm-hmm. you know. But um, yeah, so cats in some way, the feline energy has always been part of my life for a long time. Anytime someone wanted to get me a gift, it'd be just like a cat thing. You know, it was just like the easy go to. That's what Kristen wants, a cat thing. You know, well, I think that this, that's a, a very interesting thing, the sort of archetypal energy that people play with. And it makes gift giving is exactly that area when, mm-hmm. you know. If you want to buy me something, you know that I'm going to like a wizard thing or a gnome thing. Like right. I've got my branding figured out. Right. And it's sometimes can be confining and limiting. But other times, I think it's really nice to give people this handle. Where yeah. they're like, I know what you're into. And like, Absolutely. you're excited about something in the world that's specific. And that's yeah. a good way to relate to you through. Absolutely. So that carried on throughout my life. And uh, yeah, after I wrote which is less feminist mm-hmm. and um, was uh, sort of being more out and open with out of the broom closet, as with it your, were. Your slutty, witchy feminism. Yes, exactly. Um, that, uh, you know, the cat was the one thing missing from that book. And during all the research, there's so many cats on every corner. Yeah. We associate cats with witches, with sluts, with like heightened sexuality. And then with feminists, too, in a lot of ways. Yeah. You know what I mean? Scratch especially, back. Especially now. Um, what is the connection between women and or wi- slutty women and cats? Because like, yes. we have the word pussy and right. we have cat calling. Yeah. But like, where does that come yes. from? Yes. So it's very it's an ancient connection. So really? Yes. We first have the association um, between sort of mother goddesses, goddesses of fertility mm-hmm. and cats with Bastet mm-hmm. or even like Freya. Um and that's probably because cats were such 
good moms, you know, they can mm-hmm. have a lot of kittens. They're yeah. very fertile. Yeah. Uh, and uh, they also care for their young in the ways that some animals don't, you know, like you hear the stories of like mom cats rescuing kittens from burning buildings and yeah. things like that. So I'm sure that's the maternal marbles. They of pick the them up in their teeth yes. and carry them around by their little yes. scruffs. So I'm sure that is probably why th- mm-hmm. we have these association and then, there's uh, associations between uh, tigers and Durga and uh, all, all many cultures have yeah. like a feline entity with a goddess. You big know? cat energy. Exactly. Big cat energy. <laughs> and so, um, but uh, ancient Egypt is the first to have like the domesticated cat with the mm. goddess, you know, because that, that was the shift between the bigger cats and uh, the domesticated cat. Um, not that they've ever really been domesticated in the yeah. way that, you know, dogs have. But so from there you have that energy and then... Aristotle comes along in his history of animals and is writing about all different animals, reproductive cycles and how their their behavior. And he basically throws the female cat under the bus and says female cats are peculiarly lecherous and they're loud during sex and they make, you know, the men have sex with them, you know, male cats, yeah. you know, like kind of it's this very odd sexist uh, logic, which makes sense because Aristotle was also right. Because you have pretty. the cat in heat and it's kind of like, yes, what is right? Ah, right. Ah. <laughs> yeah. So that sort of gets, uh, you know, floated into common wisdom as well. So you already have cats associated with fecundity and fecundities, mm-hmm. and then you have this negative spin on it. Yeah. And then take that into, you know, the Christian era in Europe, and you have a recipe for, you know, cats or sluts, basically. Right. <laughs> bad luck, bad news. Yes. Don't let them cross your path. Absolutely. <laughs> so that's, and it carries forward to this day, obviously. And uh, I mean, as far as like the etymology of pussy and things like that, that's more like um, some people think it comes from Norse or Middle English. But yeah, by the 1500s, we have the association between in Europe between like cats, uh, women, vulvas, etc. Yeah. Are you for or against the word pussy? I'm totally for. You're totally pussy. for it. Yes. Yeah. Love it. I get it. Some people don't like it, but I don't. I feel like it's lost a lot of the bite that maybe a word like cunt has. Right. You know, that seems still I, I, pussy, except for when you use it as a epithet, like a being weak. You know, right. That, don't be a pussy. Yeah. I'm not into that. Yeah. So, yeah, but I'm definitely into pussy in the good way. You know, <laughs> it's so interesting just because uh, like the other one that's so similar is bitch. Yes. Which then is dog related. Right. That, you know what? That's so funny, actually. Don't really think about that that much. But uh, yeah, of course, dogs are bitches. Yeah. yeah. And cats are pussies. <laughs> I wonder if there's some sort of I- I- idea of like women as second class citizens yeah. equated to these domestic animal roles of like. For sure. Putting them in this lesser place and, 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 right. and not viewing them as the full members. Like just a bunch of white men are so great at being in society. And right. Not other. I think that's folk. the way so many cultures have othered certain parts of the population by like associating them with animals. Right. Yeah. And that's such a can be such a negative and is often such a negative. But I think I feel like there is there can be this reclaiming with the cat energy, too, in a way that's happening already, you know, with people reclaiming cat lady and sort of just like these feral impulses and words like pussy and like things like that, I think. But absolutely, there's definitely an idea of disparaging women by associating them with cats, which are supposedly lesser beings, which I don't understand how that's possible. They're clearly greater beings than yeah. us. But <laughs> <laughs> no, I love that cats have, I think that's like one of the things that's very charming about cats is that 
they're kind of doing their own thing and you yeah. feel cool for getting to hang out with yes. them rather than dogs can be so needy. Not that I, I'm not trying to be anti-dog, no. but it's just a different vibe. Absolutely. And I think that's why cats are so great archetypally speaking, because they speak to this wildness and then this um, individuality and this freedom that, you know, we can still have access to because they can still live in our homes, but they they're still free in a yeah. way, you know? So so when you wrote Witches, Sluts, and Feminists, you mm-hmm. felt like the cat was a missing thing. It yes. was like kind of yes. unspoken and behind Yeah, I don't page. even mention the word cat. I wow. looked recently because I'm like, of course I mentioned. No, no, I did not. And it's almost like I knew there was so much material. You can't just throw the cat in for a paragraph, right. you know? Mm-hmm. So I'm glad I had this chance to readdress so many things I wanted to also add on to about you know, that I was discussing in that book. And then the cat was the perfect entree to do that. So, so you had a list already of the, the Oh yeah. And, and it was a lot of just like, so sort of philosophical questions or ideological questions or political things. And the cat just like fit right in. So what was one of your favorite surprises of something that you discovered through mm. the process of, of exploring and creating and writing this? Yeah. Um, I did not know that there's some evidence that perhaps the vampire archetype comes from cats Really? Yes. So uh, Ronald Hutton, the historian of British folklore, mm-hmm. has written so many of my fave books. Um, he writes in The Witch about how um, uh, witches were thought to take the form of cats who would then drink the blood of babies and different people in, in Italy and Croatia and different areas in Europe that then he suggests those tales are likely where the vampire uh, archetype that we now know and love ca- might have come from. So I love the idea of the cat being the original vampire. Yeah. It's kind of like, I mean, it makes total sense. If you ever look at cat teeth, like. Right, they, right, right. Yeah. Like you could, like, even like the cartoon cat teeth. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> they're ready. Those they're, incisors. They're fangs. I've also, yeah. I've also seen those puncture marks on my arm enough time. To, yes. Yes. Me too. <laughs> So, yeah, that was one. I mean, there were so many reading about the familiars in the mm-hmm. European trials and the way um, the different things that were blamed on familiars. Like one of my favorites is um, a woman saying that her cat familiar um, or an accused witch saying her cat familiar taught her how to induce an abortion. What herbs to use? Yeah. Like this cat. is What a clear- great cat. I know. What a, what a like savior. What a cool cat. Yeah. yeah. Right? It's like, hey, kids, you want to learn how to induce abortion? <laughs> Take these herbs. <laughs> yeah. That's what, that's Planned Parenthood should get on this. Right? You know, <laughs> so the pussy that grabs back right. and then teaches kids <laughs> how to induce abortions. <laughs> but, you know, when you read through the lines, this, that same story is Agnes Waterhouse, the first woman to be executed for witchcraft in England. And the cat also helped her, like, uh, injure her husband. And so I like to read through the lines, uh, read between the lines in these uh, trial records, which are obviously all these confessions are from torture you mm-hmm. know like these are maybe she's trying to escape an abusive relationship and you know do, like save herself and it, the best easiest way to justify some of the things she's doing is blame the cat you know what yeah. i mean <laughs> of course the cat could also have really done those things i who am i to say but <laughs> that can be the other role of our cat mascot is it like it'll show up and kick kick the dude's ass right. if you ever an abusive relationship totally right it's like a big tough cat it's amazing so it's like Tony the Tiger comes over yes. and is like, "We got a problem, right. dude? You don't want to fuck around with that cat." Um, yeah. Let me see what else. I mean, I got to interview so many people about their pets, um, their cats, mm-hmm. and um, different occultists and intuitives and witches and whatnot, and just hearing what people do with their pets was just 
kind of beautiful and the connections they have. And you, you got know? your own during this process? I did. So Tell me about your cat. cat yes. So uh, my other cat that was my partner's cat, not my cat, but still lived together. Yeah. He, I did a ritual to actually get the book deal with him. Well, I didn't ask him to be involved. He just came on his own. Yeah. I was doing the ritual. He came and joined. Yeah. Because, uh, you know. Who am I to make him do anything? But then he died shortly after. Yeah. And then I started writing the book and it was like six months in and people were like, you can write this without a cat around. I'm like, yeah, I've had cats my entire life. I know. Yeah. But there was something missing, you know? And so, yeah, I, I stumbled upon very randomly this little kitty who needed to be rehomed and uh, she moved in and she influenced so much of the book. She would sit on the side of my laptop, like with her paws right next to the delete key. Yeah. And sometimes she would like get in there. And I'm like, I guess you Edit. think that is not good. Yeah. Um, her name's Cherie Purry, named after the runaway singer Cherie Curry. Okay. Cause I love, uh, seventies, uh, glam. And, um, yeah, I actually, because I got her, a friend of mine, Sarah Potter, I don't know if you know Sarah. Mm -hmm. Yes. Um, she does readings for pets, tarot readings for pets. And so, I never thought to do that in my life before. I don't know why, but I just never did. And then I'm like, yeah, of course I want to do that. <laughs> and what happened was so wild when she came over. Basically, we were speaking aloud what, what card we thought would be the absolute card she would not pick. And then she picked the card. Which card? So it was an Oracle deck and it was uh, the possession card. Ooh. And we were like, yeah, that's like a demonic, whatever. You know, we don't associate that with uh, this cute little princessy. She's very like fluffy, like... Yeah. And she picked that card. And then so we're like laughing, like, come on. And we, we spread them on the floor and she literally came up and bit the corner of one. Yeah. So I don't know, you know, I, I no explanation, but magic. Well, that's, I think that's like the other, I, I, I'm, it's not quite a trope, but I've seen it in a few things of like the powerful entity disguised as the cat. Yes. That it's like, right. looks like little playful cat. And then you right. see the shadows where it's like tentacles are flying. Absolutely. I think in the new oh, Sabrina, the new, yes. like Salem yes. is kind of like yes. that where it's like clearly not a cat right. in a cat taking form. taking the form. And I, that's also what familiars were believed to be like right. demons in animal form, you yeah. know? Um, so that's, I very much got that vibe, but then we decided the possessions, possession was really possessions. Like she likes stuff. Like she's uh, a fancy little bitch, you yeah. know? So it was a softer turn on that word and that card. <laughs> but sure. anyway, yeah, I, I mean, there were so many fun things I, and just digging into the way cat iconography has been used in like different uh, in political action uh, like mm. to symbolize both the left and the right and over, throughout the past couple hundred years cats are just so um, useful to talk about so many different uh, ideologies it's kind of fascinating how that has been employed was, yeah like, was it like an IWW symbol or yes something? okay Sabo Tabby yeah, yeah. yeah the sabotage cat for sure Sabo Tabby yeah oh my yeah, God. yeah 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 yeah, yeah. <laughs> And um, so that, but interestingly, in the 1730s, the cat was a symbol in the Great Cat Massacre in France. Of uh, There was like a working class uprising and they killed a ton of cats because cats symbolize femininity and bourgeois comforts. Whoa. So it's kind of funny. The cat was on the other side and then... What a horrible protest. Horrible. Like, let's murder a bunch of animals to show that we're upset with. <laughs> like, I almost wish the right would try that again just because of the media backlash. Like, like everyone would be like, you're done. Like, we're, yeah. Uh, so, yeah. But then now cats are associated with, like, more on the left, obviously. Yeah. So. Because um, we get all the cool shit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I don't know. Elephants are pretty cool. I, I <laughs> yeah, yeah, I feel bad. Elephants are cool. Like, yeah. Why even is that? I don't, I don't know. There's a whole 
kind of world of animal symbology that I want to get into now that I've done this research just with cats, you know, yeah. um, because some other things sort of popped up. I'm like, huh, interesting. You, know? you mentioned earlier uh, when you did the ritual to get your book deal. Mm-hmm. Um, could you share a little bit about how your own practice of magic falls into your practice of both creativity and writing oh, yeah. and as well as navigating the um, the challenges that are out of our control when we're trying yes. to deal with publishers and agencies and all of that. Absolutely. Um, so I mostly stick to sex magic rituals mm-hmm. for myself because it's like, well, I'm going to be jerking off anyway. Yeah. Let's make it magic. <laughs> <laughs> uh, just put it to good use. And that's always been like my go to since I was a kid. Like yeah. I always just felt like, oh, that feels like I'm raising so much energy mm-hmm. and I can't think about anything else. And it's very powerful. It for, for me to focus a lot of times I lose focus in other rituals even yeah. when I'm really trying to be present yeah. I'm still thinking like what am I gonna eat later you know oh, and you're sure. never gonna I've never done that in my sex magic practice because I'm yeah. so you know the brain doesn't let you think yeah. about anything else. it puts the blinders on it does so yeah. I really feel that that's powerful and the so, bumpers in your bowling alley <laughs> yeah totally um uh, I just lost my train of thought now. Uh, I'm getting excited thinking about what I'm doing next with my sex magic practice. <laughs> but um, let's see. What, what was I? What was I saying? So um, yeah, that uh, is, was what I was doing to sort of bolster my ideas about where I wanted to go next in my career, mm-hmm. and just like thinking of and envisioning the next book I wanted to write and the subject matter and sort of the way I feel when you know I get that object in my hand because you're basically creating which object are we referring to oh the book gotcha okay <laughs> thank you <laughs> yes yes yeah i'm uh, gonna be specific here <laughs> what objects we're speaking of holding in our hands yeah um but because you know writing a book is really taking sort of total ephemerality and, and manifesting it into the solid you know physical mm-hmm. form so that's like the most and taking all those tangents of ideas yeah and then actually seeing through which right. ones are going to fit because right. thinking about a book is very different than the sitting down and writing it and oh and, yeah and really putting it together absolutely so i say as the author of a 40 page book <laughs> hey that you're a writer you get it mm-hmm. i mean i still have so many things I want to do differently every time I'm like wait no this but yeah uh the magical practice I as far as writing too I wear all kinds of uh talismanic things and Mm. and, uh have certain places I like to sit and be and um times of day whatnot do automatic writing sometimes just like open that and channel the muse yeah exactly and then sometimes it's very boring and you know, I'm just like eating like chips and dust is everywhere and I, I don't know what time it is and I'm not like feeling very magical at all. And it's just like pounding it out, right. you know. <laughs> well, we were just talking about the book uh, The War of Art. Yes. And I think it's so funny how people tend to have two really kind of off ideas, both about ritual and about creativity. Yeah. And one is like ritual has to be like the most elaborate, mm. sacred, blah, blah, blah. Right. And you can't have the the stray idea or it doesn't work or anything. Right. And it's like. You can do rituals that are just more pragmatic and structured. Yeah. And then the other thing with creativity is I think there's this idea of like the author sits down and just immediately starts <laughs> right. just pouring out golden yes. prose. Right. And it's really like, no, the author knows how to trick themselves into sitting down yes. and to writing something that they might even fucking hate that yeah. day. But then trust the other rituals of letting it sit revising sending it to the editor all right. of those other things that are part of the journey yeah. to manifestation and those are rituals into themselves and that's a good reminder i appreciate that because every step 
is important in that ritual of writing and some of them are not very glamorous or even fun to talk about because there's just sort of so mundane but yeah it's not all sexy sex magic no it is not all sexy sex magic and um it's a lot of like ignoring texts and staying in exactly yeah a lot of saying no to all social engagements and feeling like you're going literally losing your sanity but you just pour it all into that thing and there it goes and then it's still not even perfect you know and i think the magic is just the fact that you put that energy in there and it went out and you hope somebody picks up a little bit of it and, you know, it changes them in some tiny, tiny way. And, and changes you. Oh, well, that's for sure. Yeah. Like if nothing else, if no one read it, I had a great experience. Yeah. You know, so great. I'm a success. <laughs> and now we're back to your sex magic ritual in the first exactly. place. Exactly. It was yeah. all about my own pleasure anyway. It's all about so. me and my pussy. <laughs> yeah. That's, yes. Yeah. Amen. <laughs> Do you have a favorite cat, uh, specific cat or cat thing in pop culture? Mm. Well, besides Catwoman, because that's like Catwoman. That's yeah. like a cat. I love Garfield. Oh, really? Yeah. <laughs> I really love Garfield in such a deep, silly way. I guess because it's also associated with childhood. I read, I had all the Garfield books. Yeah. Like, I just find his uh misanthropic like food obsessed nature just like so relatable and so many and kind of insane what a phenomenon he was in culture yeah people don't really get now like how big garfield was like so one of what we were talking about earlier with that thing like when you have a clear thing that you're into people resonate with yeah so one of my friends got really into just collecting random garfield stuff he goes thrifting a lot other friends realized that he was yeah. collecting this. And so when they went thrifting, they would give it to him. I went to his apartment at one point. And it's covered in Garfield Whoa. stuff. And then he was like, oh, we did a purge and got rid of like 90% because there was just so Damn. much insane Garfield yeah. stuff made that once you have the eye out for it, <laughs> it's, it's everywhere. It's like looking for Jerry Maguire tapes at the Goodwill. Like they're going to be there. <laughs> That's an incredible parallel. I need to now look for that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, um, there's so many other cats too that I feel I'm. A, I was a big fan of Cats, the musical. I'm scared of the movie. I don't know. How do you, how do you feel movie. about the trailer? I was horrified, yeah. but maybe that's good because I don't know. It, it, there's a new electricity added to it. Either that's mm. a bad electricity, or I don't know. But just the way they shot it and that like the scale of it is very odd. I just hope the movie is is weirder than the trailer. That's that the thing. Would be is like awesome. Don't be forgettable. Like, no, just be weird. Right. So if it's like weird, quote unquote, bad, and that's fine. Yeah. Like, yeah. So I, I loved cats. Um, What other cat things? Uh, Thundercats. Mm, yeah. Um, hmm. I love, uh, you know, Mega Hex. I don't know if you know Simon Hanselman. No. He does a graphic novel series about like a witch and a cat and their lovers. Whoa. <laughs> And um, I put a little bit of that in my book. I had this whole chapter about like people who have sex with cats. And then I'm like, this might not be good. Um, but like, in can, a, can I ask a, a basic question? How? Well, I mean, in like fiction. Oh, so, okay. like fictional like relationships between like humans and cats as like lovers. Yeah. And it just went off in a weird way that I try to I want to talk about things that interest me but i also want to be accessible sure and sometimes things i want to talk i'm like you know save that for your own private weirdo stash the 17 year old that's like oh i like cats i like magic right i'm interested in this right and then they're like what 
this is the manual on how to have sex with your cat. Yes, so wrong. So that, but also like what we were talking about, like 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 a dog is obedient. You can be like, dog, come over here. We're doing a thing, and it's like All right. right, right. A cat, like I don't know how you would. Well, that's why it's all in fantasy. Convince a cat, yeah. And well, then I also talk about Carolee Schneeman. I don't know if you know about her. Um, she had some uh, photo series where she would take photos of her cat would come every morning and put its tongue in her mouth. Oh, and her cat just like did it naturally. Yeah. And so then she made this movie of all the photos and people were horrified. Yeah. Rightfully so in some way because I guess there's some taboo about like forcing. Of course, that's horrible yeah. to non-consensually, but the cat wanted to do it. I mean, as much as we yeah. can understand the will of an animal, you know, so yeah. it gets complicated. Anyway, <laughs> there is a little bit of that in the book, but I really held back. So I'm like, I really want this to be accessible and like understandable and enjoyable for a lot of people. So did you explore cats as a an identity? A little bit. Yeah. I, I talk about the kitten play community. Yeah. Because I've seen that emerging and that's a really interesting that's world. super cool. Yeah. And I got to go visit the heart of the kitten play community Ooh. in um, outside uh, Colorado Springs. And um, so the uh, it's the Cat Girl Manor, also called the Chateau, and they've been on Vice documentaries and they do events all over the country, really. Wow. Um and obviously the kitten play community is far beyond that. But mm. there is sort of like the the known folks who sort of, you know, curate the events and stuff in the most public way. Right. And so I went to this uh, intentional community and I interviewed the proprietress, uh, Isabella, and she was really lovely. And I learned so much about kitten play. I mean, not that I haven't incorporated that in my own play just for fun, but not mm. like... I'm thinking specifically about a community at large and like how people, other people do it. You know what I mean? Yeah. yeah. I mean, I think there's a difference between being like meow, I'm yeah. going to scratch your back and then right. being like, no cat ears are a part of my like Absolutely. identity in the same totally. way that, you know, a trans person might be like, Oh, I like my wig is an important part of right, my identity. Right, right, right. Or, you know, somebody who's into latex is like, I feel so different right. when I'm, I've got my full latex body suit Right, on. you need that to feel like fully yourself. Absolutely. So yeah, I, I interviewed her and I went to a kitten play sort of event at this goth night in LA and it was amazing to see. And it was also open for like other anyone else too. Yeah. So it was like three blocks of like mostly women and feminine folks like in full slutty cat outfits. It was incredible. Yeah. Um, so that sort of channeling that spirit for your like your metaphysical and your physical and psychosexual needs is sort of very fascinating and I definitely talk about that. Which I think is so kind of adjacent to what we were talking about like earlier with ritual is that yeah. there is the ritual that you light candles and you sit in the summoning circle. Yeah. But then I think culturally we've channeled a lot of ritual into these other outlets yeah. and cosplay. Like, oh right. Yeah. All of that kind of stuff is so like very ritualized. You feel an affinity to this cat. You yeah. feel a sexual energy connected to that. Yeah. You're going to go meet up with a bunch of other people to be in your sexy cat costumes. Like, I I smell magic. Yeah, absolutely. And it's and, and the funny thing is when I asked uh, the, uh, Isabella about magic in the community, she's like, oh, not yet. They're they're not necessarily all like, you know, into the occult, but I'm trying to like, you know, spread my own interest because she's a left hand path practitioner. And so yeah. we talked about that. She has esoteric evenings where people come and learn magic. But that's an interesting point that you make. It's really they're already doing yeah. their own ritual magic. They just haven't conceived of it that way. Yeah. Right. We don't like basketball. We just like to go to the court and bounce a ball around and throw it through a, a, a hole. Right. <laughs> and wear a team jersey. And wear a team jersey. Yeah. Yeah. yeah but yeah. we don't like basketball. We don't like basketball. <laughs> it's, it's so true, though. I think and I, I, what you're doing is obviously 
widening uh, perceptions about what ritual can be and magic, you know, and I think that's so important because people realize even blowing the candles out on a birthday cake, you oh, know, yeah. hello, yeah. you're like making wishes and magic and intention I was, setting. And like, I was literally just at a birthday thing and they were like, oh, we should have the wizard do some sort of ritual. And I'm like, you've just brought a birthday cake out with candles. Yeah. You've got ritual covered right. here. It's like, like we're going to sing a song together and then you blow out candles. A forbidden copywritten song. <laughs> Ooh. Ooh. <laughs> Take this, you litigious ladies. <laughs> Magic is everywhere. <laughs> so normally I don't uh, monologue, but I, I was wondering if I could share a cat story oh, of my own because uh, it feels like the right time. So when I moved to New York, I was with an ex and we had a little kitten that was coming to our back door and we were slowly coaxing it inside and we're like, okay, like we talked about getting a cat, like maybe we'll adopt this one and made an appointment with this vet that will come and do house calls, but Mm. it was like for like a week or so out. Went away for the weekend and this was a very, very tiny kitten Mm -hmm. and came back and the neighbors were like, hey, we're sorry, like we found the the cat dead in the backyard. Like it must have had something wrong with it. It was a street cat, blah, blah, blah. And we're like, oh, what a bummer. Like, this is really sad. But we already had that vet appointment and we posted something on social saying, you know, oh, here's a picture of this cat. Like, this was a sad thing that happened. And a friend reached out and said, hey, I have this cat that followed us home. It's been living in a box like under the stairs of our apartment. It's really into people. Would you be interested in like coming and meeting it? And so we went and got that cat and brought it home in a cat carrier. And we had the vet appointment the next day. And the vet like was like, your cat is healthy and we're like okay and so that was loki Hmm. and we lived with a wiener dog and loki (laughs) and loki was definitely the more alpha and would chase the wiener dog but they were like they were friends they were buddies and it was good we broke up i moved out and i was trying to be a solo wizard with Hmm. a cat which was very difficult yeah because loki true to his name was a very mischievous Hmm. street cat and being a wizard i have crystals and doodads all over the place oh yeah and Loki was like, I just want to bat them. (laughs) And it got to a point where I realized I could not keep Loki, but it's very hard to rehome a cat. Mm -hmm. You think, oh, you just take it to the shelter. One, I was horrified by the idea of that. And then whenever I would Google it to be like, well, how does it work to do it? You get a page that just tells you, if you're thinking of rehoming your cat, don't. Okay. (laughs) Because... Any problem you're experiencing can be solved easily. For example, if your cat is behaving poorly, try saying no in a stern voice. And I'm like, oh, what useful advice. Oh, my God. But I just couldn't bear the idea of having this cat because he he would, he was very playful, but he would like, you know, scratch and bite and be a little bit aggro. And I was like, he's not going to get adopted if he's stuck in a cage for eight hours and then a family's like, no, hey, and he's like, oh, I'm going crazy in this cage. You're like, nope, not you. Yeah. And the idea of putting him in a cage for the next however long until yeah. he dies of old age or gets euthanized, I was like, no, that's heartbreaking. I was almost like, I will just put him back on the street and he can figure it out. But that seemed grim. And so finally I called my mom. <laughs> Good. Classic adult move of like, yeah. I don't know what to do. I mom, do it all the time. <laughs> uh, help me. And she had, uh, they live in Massachusetts, and they had a friend that had a barn, and they're like, they have barn cats there. Loki can come be a barn cat. Hmm. But we have to tell you, barn cats don't always live that long because there's coyotes, there's other things. Hmm. And I was like, you know what? 
if he lives another two years as a barn cat, that's going to be so much better than all the other options. Right. So like, let's go. So I pack him up and we get on a train and we go to Massachusetts and I take him to the barn. And this is a barn that has a farm and then it's like horses mm. and it's like little girls come there to do like horse camp in the Cute. summer <laughs> and drop him off. Everyone's very sweet. I get a message from them like a couple weeks later and they're like, hey, we love Loki so much. We decided not to have him be a barn cat. He's now living in the house Aww. and he's like doing great because they'd said they might try and rehome right, him. And they're right. like, we're just keeping him. Yeah. And so I've gone back and visited a few times. Aww. And so now it's literally a duplex on the property. The family lives in one side. Loki and his best friend cat live in the other side of the duplex. What? And then they have full indoor outdoor access. So every day he just goes around, hangs out with the lady while she gardens, chases chickens in the yard, Aww. runs around the farm, gets pet by the little girls there to hang out with the horses. And I just love that this cat had its own story that, like, I'm a small part of. Where I don't know where he was before I found it, but he was a street cat living in New York. He gets adopted by a wizard. And then he (laughs) moves out of the city like every New Yorker's dream and has this beautiful rural life now. And, like, eventually that cat's going to be, like, in space. Yeah, I would read a book about that cat. Like, you should write a book about that cat. <laughs> well, you're the one that's got the book deal, so we'll collaborate. <laughs> okay. We can, when you're ready for a children's book. Okay. Yeah. Loki, the wizard's cat. I love that. That's so sweet. That's a great story. They Thank you for letting me tell like my own podcast. No, well, it's your podcast. You should talk about your former Normally cat. Normally you like to have the guest chat, but yeah, I thought, I thought that felt appropriate that. to that's, share. That's great. Yeah. Yeah. So for anyone that's listening, and has a difficult cat just remember you can shake your finger and say no in a stern voice (laughs) oh my gosh well let's talk some cat magic oh yeah what is uh what is a spell that our listeners can do to Mm. work their own fabulous feline energy huh i mean in on the one hand it could be involving a cat but not everyone has a cat right so and involving a cat only, like, if the cat wants to be involved, you know. Right, right, right. <laughs> Which yeah. you never know. Hmm. I think something that would maybe harness some feline energy. Ooh, I like that direction. Yeah. Hmm. Um, and things that are simple. Because um, I think I think we could leave, like, we could say, we could have them use something that has feline energy. Yeah. And that could be everything from an actual cat. To a pitcher of Garfield, to a mug of Garfield, to a sweatshirt with Garfield on it, to a Garfield plushie, or, you know, anything in between. I think any sort of cat magic would involve, like, your most, if you were your most free, feral, untamed self, like, who would that be? Mm. And sort of tapping into that power. And I don't know, I mean, to me, that, as the writing person, I'd be, like, doing some automatic writing on, like, you know, or making a sigil or something based on like three or four or five words that would be my most feral self. What do you think about balancing it with the other side of cat energy of like the cuddly sweet mm. and kind of yeah having them honor both of yes, those? Yes, yes. I think that's good. You can get your wild cat on yes. and then you can get your normal on. Yeah. Oh, your normal. Oh yeah. my God. Yes, that's perfect. Um. Okay, so step one, get some sort of container of cat energy yes. whether that's a picture or you could play a cat video mm-hmm. on your computer or have a real cat or right or even a picture of like the queen of wands there's a kitty in there yeah. you anything know? that has cat energy deck. for you yeah 
And then do you want to talk through the, the basic sigil process? Yeah. Like what, uh, I'm trying to think of what's a good, well, nine. Yeah. I think we have to go with nine. Okay. Because of the nine lives. Yeah. So then I would say that's a lot of sigil magic if we were if we're doing nine words and making that into a what about let's do nine words that represent their own personal yes. connection to cat energy yes. and you can go from one the most cuddly to nine the yes. most ferocious yes. and then the sigil is just the first letter of each word <gasps> perfect genius yeah. okay yeah so i would say get your cat talisman get your cat talisman yes do your little Get in your magical zone, yes. whatever that looks like to you. Absolutely. If you are totally new to this, light a freaking candle. Yeah. It's the easiest thing. Meow a few times. Meow a few times. Maybe even get down on all fours. I don't yeah, know. Yeah, yeah. Do a little meow banishing. Yes, meow banishing. Have your nine cat words. Yes. Take the first letter, make your sigil, and yeah. then I think we're going to go with sex magic, right? Yeah, and yeah. then you're going to like draw that sigil on your body, look at it as you jerk off and think about being your most free, feral, or cuddly self. Mm-hmm. Um... Or you could just burn it. Yeah. I mean, there's so many things to do with the sigil. Which, what do you think is the most cat-like? I think the focusing, and I think what's cool too is that they could start. So whether you're doing this on your own or with a friend, yes, uh, you can start by getting into your most cuddly, sensual vibes. Yeah. So yeah. do some purring, mm. roll around with the blanket, mm-hmm. do a little cat pose with your legs yes. spread. Uh, you know, just enjoy. Slowly escalate. And as you're approaching your own meowing, howling peak, <laughs> that's when you can maybe scratch yourself a little bit, yeah. arch your back, get into it, and then really focus on sending that cat energy out to summon that beautiful cat magic back I love to you. that. This is great. This is great. <laughs> and so the thing is that you and I have to both commit to doing this. I'm totally going to go home and do this. Oh, my hand's all sweaty and covered. Feral. It also covered a cat fur. Yes, it is. <laughs> All right. That sounds great. This is awesome. I can't wait. Awesome. Thank you, Kristen. Thank you for having me. Meow. For more of Kristen's work, visit kristensoleil.com and pick up a copy of Cat Call, Reclaiming the Feral Feminine, an untamed history of the cat archetype in myth and magic, wherever you normally buy books. And to become a participant in the ongoing ritual that is This Podcast is a Ritual, you can visit patreon.com slash thispodcastisaritual, where your sacrifice of $4.20 makes our reality slightly better by getting this podcast that much closer to the next gateway, 420. Because when we hit that, we're going to ascend to a higher level of magic, ritual, and power. Helping other people tap into the power of the present and be here. Meow.
wet pussy, just a friendly little cat. <laughs>